0: I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For over 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store in Charlotte, North Carolina. On this podcast, we unlock the stories of people's lives through the stories of what they wore. These aren't conversations about fashion, these are conversations about people. Roxanda Ilincic is a London-based, Serbian-born designer who's a favorite of our clients for her modest cuts and beautiful colors. After 15 years of business together, Roxanda was finally able to visit Capital and Charlotte and meet our clients. I hope you'll love learning from her as much as I did. Roxanda, welcome to Charlotte. Thank you. It's your first time here.
1: Yes, my first time absolutely loving it.
0: It's, what are your impressions of the city and of the clients? And
1: first, I must say, when I arrived last night, I loved the city. I arrived quite late, so everything was very sleepy, and I discovered this beautiful Duke's mansion, yeah, which and is Doris
0: Duke's childhood home,
1: yes, which is incredible. <laughs> And I think that I was transported immediately into kind of a spirit of South in a way. You know, there were wonderful porches and the rocking chairs and everything that I must say, normally, like in Europe, we only see in movies and don't (laughs) necessarily experience.
0: And did you have biscuits for breakfast? Of course, of (laughs) course.
1: So so I, I absolutely loved it.
0: <laughs> We've been in business together for a long time, almost, I think, since your first season. How long have you been in business?
1: Almost 15 years. Yeah. I started officially in 2005 and we are in 2019. So yeah. almost coming to my big anniversary, I, I think. I love it. Yes. Tell me where you're from. I'm originally from Belgrade, from Serbia. Yep. And that's where I was brought up. And when I studied also architecture and applied arts. So it's been... A wonderful place where I kind of got all my foundations in knowledge in terms of art and where my love for art is coming from as well. And then I moved to London when I completed my master's in uh, women's wear at Centre St. Martins.
0: Did you know that you always wanted to be a fashion designer? Were you always interested in fashion?
1: Yes, always. I didn't know always that I want to be fashion designer because I probably didn't know what fashion designer means. <laughs> but I do remember very vividly, even when I was a little girl, that I was just obsessed with clothing. I yeah. felt that that's not just something for my dolls, but that it's also for me, that it's a way that I could express myself and create something with my hands and get like a real pleasure of changing things sometimes ruining them but at the same time playing all the time and I think that element of play almost when you do something through playing through something that you love and then the result is something often beautiful yeah. I think that that you know that was something that kind of drew me to fashion
0: you also have a very glamorous mother and yes, post.
1: very glamorous. And, <laughs> and I feel so, so lucky that she's been around for me and that she's been such an inspiration. But then also like incredible support because mm. this is the job and the journey that it's not as easy as, as it seems from the outset. And she was always there to support me and to kind of be my sounding board and somebody that was there to help me out when I was in a difficult position.
0: So they supported you on your path from architecture to fashion design?
1: Yes. And I actually, there is an interesting story because my mom had very good friends, they're artists. And when I finally wanted to come to London and forget about the architecture and forget about that possibility uh, for my future she called them to advise me Mm. and they came and they said we can't believe that you want to forget architecture (laughs) just so that you can be fashion designer we possibly cannot believe this and I couldn't believe that this is coming from somebody who is artist so um, I still kind of you know very stubbornly follow my path
0: and can you can you believe it do you miss being an architect or no no not at all I did do recently
1: a project interior project for um, guest holders in King's Cross Mm. in in London and I really enjoyed it so so much and I love that aspect of being able to express myself not just through clothing but through something completely different. But I, no, I don't think I would kind of go back and become <laughs> fully architect. Doing both, yes, but not only one.
0: So many of your clients are art gallery owners and and designers and architects. Yes, uh, you have such a big following. So I think it does still carry through in your work very much.
1: I'm so I'm always so so really thrilled and chuffed to hear that, but.
0: Yes, I know.
1: And and many of them became my good friends through my clothing. So (laughs) it's it's one of the wonderful things that you manage to get when you do this business.
0: So tell me about when you moved to London to go to Central St. Martin's. I know that was a big turning point for you. But London's a really big change from Serbia. Tell me what it was like. And were you homesick?
1: Absolutely. How I old were you? I was
0: so homesick. You know what? I can't remember.
1: I was long. Yet, actually, let's say that I was 15. I was much older.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're 10.
1: Yeah, okay. God, what was the year? It was many years ago. And, and it felt really... I just... Feel being really, really lonely, yeah. really, really homesick, really starting to appreciate certain things that I was taking for granted back home.
0: Weather for one.
1: Weather for <laughs> one, the most important. And it's really interesting because I remember that I was really rebelling when I was living in Belgrade. I was really rebelling about many things that were happening there. One, biggest thing it's fashion. I always felt that fashion is there to express something very, very different and that it's not necessarily there to be worn, mm. which obviously you can see that I'm all about wearing and you know like I, I change, London changed me. And and it took really my whole experience in London to realise that you should never forget who you are, where you're coming from. You just need to take the best parts from that experience and make them into something really, really exquisite. And that's what I did. I basically, because I was so homesick, I realized that many things that I'm taking from home, which is that sense of color, Mm. sense of freedom, sense of certain femininity, classicism, all those elements I kept in my design, But then I mixed them very much with everything that was happening in London, too.
0: One of the reasons you cited for wanting to go to Central St. Martin's was studying with the legendary Louise Wilson.
1: Yes, she was such a force from the day one, from that first interview, um, that was very, very unorthodox. She had an incredible eye to recognize who has a certain potential. And then once you got onto the course, she had another way of almost kind of stripping you down of all your wrong ideas and prejudiced in a way to almost kind of creating this blank canvas then Dan can create something completely new. And she was just extraordinary. I remember, you know, her kind of uh, one-on-one meetings that were unbelievable the things that she was saying she would often swear she would say (laughs) things that you would never ever expect to hear from somebody who's your tutor (laughs) and and i remember her saying you know to to become a great designer it's about everything it's not just about what you have as your vision but it's how you live who you are how you're communicating with everybody else and how you're managing to kind of almost filter everything that is happening in our society but I think one of the biggest things that she taught me is to be fearless, mm-hmm. not to be afraid of anything, to be different, to try to create something completely on the basis of something that never existed before, and just not follow any rules. Mm-hmm. Usually when people ask me, what is the best advice that somebody gave you, it would be the one that she gave me, which is don't follow any advice. It's just follow your vision, follow your heart and and look straight ahead not left not right straight ahead
0: you've always done that and i think your sense of color is unlike anyone else that i've ever known i mean have you always been had a sense of color i
1: don't think i always had sense of color in my clothing interestingly my portfolio for saint martin's is very black and white very oh, dark really yes very dark <laughs> very very different place that, that that where I'm now and that's the beauty that Louise managed to kind of pull out of me when she said you you need to look into things that are very very close to your heart and I realized that color and some things that were reminding me of back home of Serbian, and of my roots in Belgrade were those things mm. it was it was the color it was the shape the structure that I took from architecture it was many, many different things that formed me as a person, I think, later.
0: And one of the things also that I hear from my clients and also I know for myself from wearing the clothes is how powerful you feel in the clothes. I think because of the color, but I also think because of their modesty, people feel beautiful, but they feel covered and safe? Yes, that sense of protection and
1: shelter is very much something I'm constantly trying to present in my work and I think that women who are often judged by how they looked and, and are in certain circumstances where they do have to shine, but at the same time feel protective and secure. I think that they are all finding almost like a little refuge in my clothing. They all gravitate towards my clothing for certain occasions like like those that I just described.
0: absolutely. Was there a moment when you knew that your business was going to be successful?
1: <laughs> you know what that's a very interesting question and and i and i it's very interesting because I see that there there have been many moments and then Maybe I'm still waiting for that one big moment because (laughs) I think, you know, you always kind of think that there's going to be something bigger or that the things are not quite as right or, you know, you're always kind of striving for for something more. But then at the same time, when you look back, when you have time to kind of slow (laughs) down and look back and you know, I, I'm I'm really proud of what I've achieved and particularly my store in Amount Street that I opened quite early in my career when it was quite unusual for a young designer like that to open the store. You know, you kind of look back and say, well, look at all those incredible women that wore me and the stock that I'm having and, and my store that they, they've been like, you know, I'm lucky enough to say quite a few moments. But then, as I said, maybe another one is around the corner.
0: Well, th- there are definitely, there are many around the corner. But I also think fashion does a terrible job at taking a moment and appreciating success or just history almost, you know. We're yes. always looking forward. We're always forging ahead. And you you very, very rarely have a minute just to take a break and take it all in. Yes. Or or to kind of enjoy certain success because
1: every much is... Everything is about that latest season. How well did you do? Usually we say, you're just as good as your last season. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the nature of fashion, I guess.
0: And so one of the things that you've done recently is scale back from four collections a year to two collections a year. And tell me, what was the impetus for that? It
1: was it was quite a big move for me because obviously once you get into certain routine, not just for yourself but also with with the stockist and the way the business is working and the cash flow and all the business side of it, it's very it's very, very hard to get out of it. So it took us very long time to plan to kind of reassess the market to see if it's even feasible and mm-hmm. tangible to do something like that. But I had a very, very strong motive to do this and I just started to feel that I'm not having any moments to enjoy my work or to reflect on my work. And same goes with uh, my employees, that we were just constantly chasing our tail and trying to get to the next collection, to the next chapter. And really wonderful moments that were in front of us that we were living, we were not able to even realize that they are there because we will be already looking into the future and how we can catch up. And I thought this just has to stop in some way and we really spoke with the, with our retailers and came to a conclusion that if we merge the season in a particular way and still have same amount of drops with the stock is that customers is not going to be as affected while at the back of office we will save so much time so much money and so much and create much more of the precious moments and opportunities, once we have like a longer time, and that's what is happening at the moment.
0: Well, and I like that you said you called it being more sustainable, which is such a buzzword in fashion now. But yes. I think I love that you actually mean like more mentally sustainable. <laughs> yes, right? I, mean, I feel the same well, way. Completely it's, it's not sustainable, and, it's, this and lifestyle. it's kind
1: of both sustainable, both mentally and as sustainable fashion, because there is incredible amount of wastage that happens mm-hmm. when you. You have a completely separate collection and and that's all minimalized when you have double so i kind of feel it's a kind of like a win-win situation at the yeah, moment
0: i had a funny moment i was just in italy seeing a large collection that we carry and they sent an email before the appointment to say we in the showroom have gone sustainable And will not be allowing plastic water bottles in the showroom. So if you would like water, you can go into the canteen or you can bring your own water bottle. And this is a company which great, thank you. But this is a a company that ships. (laughs) We got shipments today from this company, and there probably were fifty boxes for fifty items. I mean, it's like they killed more trees in that one shipment than you know. It's just like I know. It's and it's so ridiculous. The I mean, I'm a
1: big believer that we all have to make steps in that direction, no matter how small they are. And we shouldn't be feeling embarrassed to talk that we are not achieving so much. I think any change towards sustainability, it's a positive change. And and it needs to happen every day. We all kind of set certain rules and we should follow them. So like I, for example, set up this rule that we need to change all the plastic bags, garment bags for, for biodegradable bio and also the hangers, and and I'm I'm very proud to say mm. <laughs> that we almost not hundred percent, but we are we are almost, almost there. Yeah. And as I said, it's it's not a huge ask. It does have to be planned because it does have financial implications. But it's important that we all make those steps.
0: Yeah, you and I also have something in common of uh, having a, a young daughter. Yes, <laughs> and tell me about that. How have you managed to? To do that and, and run a successful business,
1: I um, I don't want to pretend here, you know, that things were easy. And often people don't tend to be utterly honest on this subject. And I kind of took the stand that it's important to be honest <laughs> and to say that things are tough yes. and that things are really really hard. And particularly, I felt when my daughter was was younger that to find that balance was almost impossible. And I did feel that I'm failing as as a mom and as, as somebody running her own business. And you just kind of learn in time to find a certain balance. And I think that that balance is really the key of your happiness, of your family's family happiness as well, and of the prospect of your business too. Because mm. unless you are happy with what you're doing and achieving in both fields, they're both going to suffer or they're both going to thrive in a way and I think it's always important to shift that balance sometimes to give more more time to family even when the business needs you and vice versa and and I think that you can very easily see if you're performing right or wrong just how happy your family is yeah and I kind of guess that's a priority
0: yeah, and also I think how proud they are of us. Absolutely. I think yeah, that's helpful to me to, to at least absolutely be showing her that um, uh, meaningful work is important to me, and and hopefully will be important to her. Yes. I also love how you use your collection often as a platform for women artists.
1: Yes, well, the moment I become a, a, a little bit more known, <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of realized that I'm having this platform and people are actually in a position to to see somebody that they wouldn't necessarily see and that I have this voice that is not just about the clothing but about the world of Roxanda. And the moment I realized that I, I decided that I'm going to champion women because I kind of feel that we didn't have, as we all know, unfortunately, the same share as as mm-hmm. men. And saying this, with uh, you know, we are all equally important and we are all equally contributing. But it's it's lovely to be in a position to just shed a little bit more light on some of those women that, for not such a good reasons, were not so well-known or or well-known in our world so so yes every citizen i kind of take certain artist or or a female maker can be ceramicist it can be just as i said many many different uh, disciplines and i try to kind of put a little bit more light through my work on what they are doing and it's been such a wonderful wonderful journey again, I managed to make so many friends and, and very, very rewarding. Mm. I think that kind of sense when you realize that you managed to do something good, it's, it, it's really priceless. <laughs>
0: At the end of every interview, we ask people what they wore to the prom, and I'm pretty sure that that's a totally American thing and they don't have a prom in Serbia. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, you also, you make the most beautiful Brado collection, so I'd love to know what you wore to your wedding. Oh, that's a very good question because
1: I didn't have my label when I got married, and and I was really obsessed with Japanese designers. Uh-huh. And I remember I wanted to buy yoji Yamamoto's, one of yoji Yamamoto's incredible creations. Then... At the end, it didn't quite work out, so I ended up actually wearing Junavatanabis uh. top, very very kind of forward that had metal pieces on it, and then I had skirt that tie specially made myself in a kind of shape of the rose, ivory
0: or white?
1: Ivory. Uh-huh. Yes, they're both they're both kind of ivory. Something actually interestingly between ivory and white, just some kind of just a little bit darker than white, I would say. <laughs> And yes, that was that was my wedding outfit. And then I changed many times because I couldn't make up my mind for later <laughs> on. So I had like a vintage dress. And yes, it was it was quite a day. In,
0: in Serbia? Uh, in no, Colombia? I
1: was actually married in London. Ah. But my main outfit was Cunna Vatanobi.
0: I love it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drozda. What We Wore is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.